Man, last episode, I accidentally left my fan on for the entire episode, and I noticed it when I was editing. There is a constant whine. Oh, no. And it's also our longest episode we've recorded <laughs> in a long time. Uh-huh. I was a little worried. <laughs> Luckily, uh-huh. my setup in Logic removed that whine. So now I'm thinking, now that summer's coming around, I won't have to sweat my ass off in this room. I might be able to actually leave my fans on during the this summer. This is why we have audio editing software. <laughs> So we can be comfortable while we record. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to episode 402 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Marshall Bach. Welcome back for another episode. Brian, how are you doing? You've been on vacation, my bud. Uh, dude, I've been on that vacation life for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, it came to an end today. Perfect timing. I have a cold today, which is the best time to have a cold as opposed to while you're on vacation. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, when you're recording a podcast, best time. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought to myself, I can't wait for everybody to hear what it sounds like when I'm just totally stuffed up like thousands of people just hearing my stuffed up cold Mm -hmm, that nasal congestion Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. but here we are life's good happy to be recording again how are you Marshall I'm great happy to have you back from the vacation apologies to our listeners for the week off but also it was a glorious week off so thank you you for bearing in there with us and actually I have this in follow-up but let's get this out of the way yeah no apologies I'm gonna say Thank you yeah, for, okay, sure. for the chill responses to us taking a week off. We're not sorry about it. I was with family and we needed the break. So thank you for uh, giving us that time. Yes. Thank you for your patience. All right. Well, we've got a big old outline to get through today. So let's get into it. First of all, a huge shout outs to Around. Around is a lightweight video call tool that floats on your desktop. I'm staring at it right now. It's so good. It is the best video call software. It's designed for collaboration, not for meetings. Designers love it. We love it. You can learn more at around.co slash design details. Thank you, Around. Thanks, Around. We also got two weeks of VIPs. Oh, yeah. This is going to be fun. Mostly because there's one name on here that I asked for some help. I messaged this person and asked for a phonetic pronunciation, and I did not get it. Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah, there's lots of extra stuff around characters, ligatures. We got strike throughs and acutes and lots of lots of accoutrement to our letters this week, Brian. It's awesome. Honestly, I feel dumb that I don't know how to pronounce this stuff. But here we go. All right. Huge shout outs to our new very important pixels, Graham Connell, Emily Kim, Cern Groningsater, Vincent Salamanca Gagnon, Frank with a CK, Dominic Kennedy. Rohan Bandili, Tomas Tradel, James Goncalves, Clay Crenshaw, Jack Lowe, and Liam Ferguson. Wow. What a list. What a list. Thank you all yes. for supporting the show and for all of you that supported us uh, two weeks ago. Thanks for your patience while we got around to that shout out. Yeah. Enjoy the epic sidebar from last episode. <laughs> sidebar 401 yeah. is is. Hopefully it makes up for the lack of sidebar last week. Yeah, yeah. We we, we preempted vacation with a <laughs> yeah. big, fatty, super long episode. Yeah, yeah. We threw a bunch of minutes in escrow and then... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's how that works, right? We're yeah. on a, a minute budget and we can go over or under. But we got to pay it <laughs> off at some point, yeah. 
Well, anyways, if you didn't know, we're a listener-supported podcast, which means that people like you just like make you. it possible for us to record every single week. They do that on Patreon at patreon.com slash design details. For just a dollar a month, you can support the show, help us pay for all of our software, hardware, and just the time it takes to put in the work every week. And in return, you get double episodes, basically. We have a bonus segment for our supporters called The Sidebar. Sidebar, sidebar. And it is essentially a second episode. Every week we cover an extra topic. We answer a bonus listener question. Last week we talked ad nauseum about <laughs> all of the new exciting highlights in Dub Dub DC 2021. So if you want to hear that kind of stuff, a little bit of bonus design content every single week, consider supporting us. Just a buck a month. For just a buck a month. Yeah. That's at patreon.com slash design details. Thank you all for supporting the show. Thanks, everybody. All right. We got two tweets this week. A little bit of follow-up. First tweet comes from Manny, responding to our last episode about three-dot menus. Manny asks, what is the official name for the three-dots? I've heard three-dots, more icon, ellipses, and overflow from different people. Thinking emoji, thinking emoji, thinking emoji. <laughs> yeah. Marshall, what do you, what do you call that? Well, I replied to this tweet and I said, yeah, it's a bit confusing, but to my understanding, Android is overflow and iOS is ellipsis, but the label is typically more. So we just went with three dots to keep it generic. Yeah. If you look at like SF symbols, the name for that symbol is ellipsis or ellipsis.circle. If you have it in the circle and on Android, it's called the overflow, which triggers the overflow menu. And if it's labeled, such as in a tab bar as the fifth tab or something like that, usually that label is more, or in an action bar, usually that's more. So three dots, keeps it generic, it isn't platform specific, but yeah. What do you think? Yeah, well, I, I think you'd want to separate like your voiceover semantic label that describes the function of the icon, probably right. something more like more or menu. But then we have our just our way of like quickly referring to the visual element, the, the glyph. I would say three dots are overflow, personally. Mm -hmm. Ellipsis is, you don't want to confuse it for the actual the typographical actual character. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. So anyways, that's our take on it, Manny. Let us know if you disagree. Maybe we can come up with a new fun name, like, uh, like the treasure chest. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I like kebab. Kebab oh, is pretty no, funny. No, no. We, didn't we used to call it the garbage bin or something? The, the garbage tray, the... I don't know. There was a negative way to refer to that stuff, right? Like, Well, we called it the junk drawer in the episode. Junk drawer. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. That's what I was looking for. All right. We also got a tweet from Raphael last week. It says, episodes like 401 would be great with video or image content. I got lost several times in the word explanation of visuals and patterns. Uh, we agree. And yeah. uh, unfortunately, <laughs> we, we just do our best. I'll tell you this. Let me let me say why I think this is useful for us. Yes, we could put in images and videos. Maybe that would be helpful. It's a lot more work. We're probably not going to do it. But for me, the exercise of having to describe a user interface using uh -huh. only words uh -huh. has been an awesome exercise. Yeah. And I've found it Challenge. being incredibly useful in my day-to-day -day work. When I'm in a meeting with engineers, or I'm in a meeting with PMs, and I have to describe why something should work slightly different and we're not screen sharing yet, being able to quickly articulate, no, 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 that menu item in the navigation bar, like having correct words for everything, you know, that matters. And I think when your team builds that shared vocabulary for how we're going to refer to elements or patterns on the screen, it makes 
collaboration a lot easier. So anyways, I'm not perfect at it, but I have noticed I've gotten a lot better at it just through doing this podcast because we're forced to describe visual concepts with just our little words. (laughs) Just our mouth sounds. Yeah, it's a tough challenge and I'm still trying to get better at it, but this is a great forcing function to improve. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into our main topic. Okay. This week, we have a listener question from GitHub user DLuft who says, Brian mentioned the article Margin Considered Harmful by Max Stoiber. I can't wrap my head around the takeaway. Could you explain how to use margins in Figma as instructed by Max, comma, please? (laughs) So we'll have a link to Max's article here. (laughs) Question mark. Sorry, I forgot to say every punctuation in there. (laughs) Uh, We have an article here for Max Stoiber, fam of the pod, called Margin Considered Harmful. And let's just say this. The first line goes like this we should ban margin from our components <laughs> so and the following line is hear me out <laughs> hear me out and he, he goes on to enumerate it's a very short article it's maybe a, a one minute read and it's all about why margin is harmful at the component level of our interface design so marshall how do you want to do this should we quickly recap our takeaway and then talk about how this impacts our workflows in figma Yeah, let's uh, just give a quick rundown of what this article says, basically, so that we can say whether we agree or disagree. Okay, I'll do my quick takeaway, and then you can add if you had anything else. So mine is, if you really think about like padding versus margin in CSS, one is padding is within the bounding box, right? And margin is outside of the bounding box. Padding creates space between the content and the edges of the container, and margin creates space between the container and the sibling, like the next element in, in a list. And Max has this line, which is really my main takeaway, which is that margin breaks component encapsulation. A well-built component should not affect anything outside itself, which is to say, if a component has margin built into it, it is by default affecting things outside of it because it's pushing siblings away, right? And so Max's solution to this or proposed solution, is to use spacer components. Or if you're familiar with CSS, it would be the equivalent of using something like CSS grid gap or the new flex gap property that's coming, which is to say we defer spacing between elements and around elements at the container level, not the child level. Right. So that's my takeaway. Yeah, this makes total sense. And and the context he's sharing this in specifically is CSS, but I think it applies in Figma or Sketch, whatever your design tool of choice is. I, th- I think this holds true most of the time, but allow me to provide an example where it might not hold true. So okay. say you have a button that is smaller than your minimum tap target size. How would you account for the tap target size outside of the visible area of that button? How do you account for that? I would say that the button is part of a tappable button container component. And then that component has padding. And it's not about the button having margin, but it's that it has a container that contains padding. Which is a little bit of trickery, but I think it actually is important. It's A flat, G sharp, you know. Sort of, but it's changing the direction at which the spacing is provided inwards or outwards totally right? yeah, yeah, yeah and i think yeah. you i think you want to apply it inwards it's fine to have yes. a containing button that has inward padding that's how i was thinking about it. it yeah as the the parent controls the spacing and padding of itself 
and how its children lay out within it. The, the child never knows what the parent is doing, and it shouldn't care. It should just do the right thing. And the parent should control what the child does. Yeah, 100%. As in life, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of metaphors here. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny because I think this exact principle has made its way into, like, it's baked into the system for Swift UI, if I'm not mistaken. I'm no Swift UI expert, but they have the concept of like V stacks and H stacks. And those stack components have a property called gap or spacing. Yeah, spacing. And that's the same concept here, right? Like we're applying spacing at the parent container and the child components are dumb little things that get moved around based on what the parent tells it to. And this is really important for designers because you're designing a component you design it the first time and like, okay, you add margin to it and you're like, oh, it looks perfect in relation to, let's say you're designing a sidebar. It looks perfect in relation to the main content area and the edge of the page and in relation to my header. But what if that sidebar needs to appear somewhere else? Well, all of a sudden you're going to be having to do all this contorting to make it appear correct in relation to other elements. And a lot of times it's going to break your grid or it's going to require a lot of hackery to get it to fit just right because you've included in the sidebar component that it should be pushing stuff away around it but instead what you could do is have like a pair in this case a parent layout component that defines a gap between a sidebar and the main content area but the sidebar itself contains no external margins that the sidebar could be applied in any other context and you can in any other context use some other parent component to provide different spacing between the sidebar and, and the main element, for example. Yeah, it's a lot more controllable if you put it at the local level, or as close to local as you can. I think this is where Figma kind of gets you in trouble because in code, you would probably approach it slightly differently. Like I find myself in Figma probably having too many layers of nesting because I want some subcomponent to have a certain amount of internal spacing or, or separation between items, and then I want that to be in a group that has zero and I'm doing that just so that the Figma components stack nicely together, whereas in code, you might not need that much hierarchy. But generally, yeah, in Figma, it's it's kind of like a Russian nesting doll of like, at the smaller each level goes, like you want each smaller unit to have as little margin as possible. Like you always want to defer that margin to parent, to parent, to parent, to parent, when possible using zero, right? Like use internal padding and not spacing between elements, at least at the individual component level. It kills me that Figma automatically assumes when I select something, if it's just a single thing, that I want to put eight spacing around and 10 spacing between. That drives me nuts. Like, <laughs> Yeah, why does it default to 10? It should default to the large nudge. Here's my workaround. I don't okay. know if you've, if you've run into this too, but my workaround is first I command option G to create a frame around the thing, which will do zero padding so it's wrapped perfectly to the thing that i've grouped and then you hit shift and a. then i shift a and yeah. it and it will inherit the zero zero but it'll, it'll still do the damn 10 uh, of the spacing between so i have to mm. change that every time mm. yeah and because it's 10 i have to do shift down 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 or shift down twice because <laughs> it just gets me eight the first time we should start a petition to change the default uh auto layout spacing it should respect properly. your nudge amount that's my opinion yeah yeah exactly yeah. Or just default to zero. Anyways. Yeah, yeah, or default it to zero. Yeah, I think they do it to 10 to show you that something is something new is happening. But yeah, well, they interpret it based on what the spacing is already. And if there's only one thing that you've selected, they assume 10. I don't know, whatever. But that's my workaround. Well, hopefully this made sense. Uh, this was a perfect example of our, our tweet 
follow-up <laughs> yeah i think we didn't do very we good we need to describe interface <laughs> elements and layout changes uh without using images or a video so hopefully it made sense but we'll have a link to max's article which also provides a nice little one minute recap but uh you know i think it's cool to find consistent ways of thinking about layout in both our design tools and the way that we actually implement things in code and we're kind of getting there between auto layout spacing grid gap, flex gap, Z and H stack spacing properties, like all of these things are kind of aligning on the same principle that the parent container should control the spacing between child elements, not children elements having their own specific margins. Yep. Agreement. As usual, Brian, we agree. Classic. We need to have another fight me soon. Okay. <laughs> okay. We got to find something we disagree on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hit us with some controversial topics. Maybe we'll find something. Yeah. But in the meantime, uh, how about some cool things? Cool things. All right. My cool thing this week is a test flight application from an 18-year-old developer named Zane. Zane decided that he really loved iOS 4, um, which is an interesting version to pick. But there it is, iOS 4. And Zane recreated iOS 4 with SwiftUI to be as close to pixel perfect as possible. And I'm not talking about just the splash screen and the springboard. I'm talking about individual apps within the app work. Like you can open the contacts app in this test flight app, which by the way is called Old OS. I don't know if I mentioned that. So you open Old OS, you swipe to unlock. You get a springboard of all the old iOS 4 stock apps. You open the contacts app. You give permission to your contacts. It shows your contacts. You can freaking initiate messages and all this shit. It has photos, contacts, weather, maps, phone, mail, safari, music. Like it has all of these things. It's nuts. And I guess my takeaway from this is not that I have any specific love for that era of iOS, although I did get lots of hits of nostalgia i'm like oh shit alerts used to look like that that was weird yeah like super bubbly and glossy and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff but mostly i was just really impressed with how much is possible in swift ui like this shouldn't be possible with only swift ui but here we are it exists and it's really cool and so it is a test flight i doubt that this will ever be allowed on the app store because it's literally recreating Apple software. It's very meta. Uh, so it's on test flight. But what Zane has done is created multiple test flights to get around the 10,000 user limit. So normally test flight, 10,000 user limit. Zane has, I think, three or four at this point. So I don't know, 30, 40,000 people. So we'll have links in the show notes to hopefully the latest test flight. Or at least to Zane's Twitter account. So you can follow along when more open up. But I thought it was fun. It was a nice little trip down memory lane. Like, oh, yeah. Stuff used to look like this a decade ago. Wasn't that weird? <laughs> yep. Brought back old memories. Not the best memories, but <laughs> just reminded but, me. Like, but memories. Some kind of memory. <laughs> man, you used to have a forward button. You remember the styling of the back buttons with the you know sideways house? Uh-huh. Like, you used to get to your now playing and music by tapping a white forward button. <laughs> On the top right. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Amazing. Just some crazy stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting to be reminded of the way it used to be. Cool thing, Brian. Uh, my cool thing this week is a little bit of crow. I'm going to I'm gonna eat a little bit of crow. I'm nom, 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 nom on that crow. Uh-huh. My cool thing is TikTok, Brian. Marshall, right on time. Right uh-huh. on time. You are years late to the party. Uh-huh. And everyone now thinks that the show is old. So here we go. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, it's one of those things. Reddit is usually my entertainment hub uh-huh. that I run uh-huh. to, but I was starting to notice that a lot of good shit was showing up with that TikTok watermark, and I'm like, Ooh, "Wow, they got you, they got you." So uh, I'm like, "All right, I'll I'll be a lurker on TikTok," and it's great. It's great. It's really fun design. There's some really good content on there. Like I've been able to tune it to give me good shit and scrolling vertically is real easy. It's a real easy to spend a lot of time on there um, trying to keep it to a relative minimum. But yeah, man. Meanwhile, I think the last time I had talked about TikTok is when Byte came out and I was like, oh, good, Byte. This is a spiritual successor mm-hmm. to Vine. Mm-hmm. TikTok is just musically just a bunch of teenage girls lip syncing to songs. I'm not as interested in that as I am skits and funny little things. But now TikTok has turned into that. So TikTok is anything now. Yeah. Anything and everything. But I'll tell you what, Marshall, hmm. I've never had a TikTok account. Don't have the app. Haven't used it. Yeah. But I was at a, a get together with some friends the other day and we compared timelines. And it's pretty wild. I mean, everyone's like, Brian, of course, this is how fucking algorithms work. But like there is no similarity between timelines at all between two people. Like they have gotten that personalization down to the millisecond extra that you're going to spend watching a video. Like it is so finely tuned. It's pretty unbelievable. Um, the reason I don't have it is not because I think I'm I'm too cool. It's because I'm too scared of spending a lot of time on it. I think I'd get addicted. Yeah, it's addicting. I, I think one of the things that keeps me from using it too much is that I have to either have the sound on or have headphones in and that keeps me from interacting with my partner so I don't do it super often but yeah I don't know I just figured I'd I'd come on here and uh, eat some crow publicly and backpedal (laughs) there you go honestly I respect that because I think the worst place to end up is dismissing huge movements and shifts in technology and interface design and just paradigms for interacting with things on the internet because, ah, oh, that's the new thing that all the, the kids use these days and just kind of having that old man sitting on the porch attitude. And as long as we can avoid that, I feel like we're going to keep learning and staying excited by technology. So, yep, that's uh, the goal. To you. Yep. Young forever, Brian. <laughs> yes. There you go. All right. Cool things all around. Great to see you again, Marshall. Yeah. Uh, we hope everyone enjoyed the show. If you did, let us know what you thought. We're on Twitter, as always, at Design Details FM. If you enjoyed it and want to hear more, consider supporting us. Go to patreon.com slash design details for just a buck a month. Just you a buck a month. Get access to that sweet, sweet bonus content in the sidebar. Sidebar, sidebar. This week we're talking all about design advising and angel investing. Mm, juicy topics. If you want to hear about that, once again, that's patreon.com slash design details. And that's it. We'll see you next week. Bye. Young forever, Brian. <laughs> forever young. I'll, I'll never forever be old. Forever young. Remember that Jay-Z song? Uh-huh. I want to be forever young. Yeah. It wasn't a Jay-Z song, by the I way. Know, he was I sampling. Know. Okay. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but remember when Jay-Z sampled that song and it was <laughs> fucking Jay-Z singing over forever young. Brian. Yeah, yeah. It's a hard knock life, Brian. <laughs> yes, there you go.